0: So I was a little discombobulated getting in the studio now. Get a rush. Back in studio. Back doing real life things. No more home office stuff. Yeah, like, just see a mad dash. I was always wearing pants. So, ugly scene last night in the Dolphins game. Tuatunga-Vailoa. You've all seen it by now gets smashed to the turf, head bounces off of it, hands just go, it looked like his fingers were broken. It was disturbing. It was ugly to watch. Dolphins, a lot of people, a lot of Twitter doctors wondering whether or not he should have been playing that game. I'll just say this. I don't trust the NFL, okay? I don't think anybody does. I do think that we get a little too reactionary sometimes with the whole, I know best about a guy's medicals when an independent doctor does look at the guy. That he does get cleared to play. Anyways, we'll see what the fallout of this is. Um, it feels as though there is going to be uh, some reckoning here that the players are not pleased with this. You saw some pretty staunch positions yesterday. Mitchell Schwartz, chief among them with his post, but man, oh man, a dolphin season that uh, last week looked so incredibly promising. It just, uh, uh, this is just opening a door to a lot of really ugly scenarios. Uh, My buddy Tyler Dunn, who runs Go Long, who does just about everything great, and that's why you should pre-order his book, The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football, I love I, I this title. Um, it's out on October 18th. You can pre-order it right now. You go to Amazon, you just do exactly what I did. You just punch that in, you go grab it. Uh, Ty Dunn of Go Long. And the Isaiah McKenzie Show, I saw you doing this. You're just doing everything, eh? Like, you're just an everything, man.
1: <laughs> hey, JD, great great to be back with you, brother. Uh, then, thanks so much. And I'll, I'll just add, too, if people want to go to um, my Twitter page, at Ty Dunn, mm-hmm. I have it pinned uh, 30% off on the Blood and Guts, so that runs for another week. It's a good time to pounce uh before it comes out october 18th
0: okay a couple things one that's basically free ty's basically giving away a free sweet book that's awesome <laughs> two is uh, if you're me at all you leave like shopping for holidays until the very last minute how good would it feel to get 30 percent off of a gift right now that any football fan would love From a bona fide rider like Ty. I'm just saying. It's just, you know, you put it on the shelf. You leave it there. You go to Ty's Twitter page at Ty Dunn. Just get some early things done. Imagine, imagine, imagine. Anyway, so, yeah, dude, Tua. um, He goes down. It looks bad. I I don't want to really weigh too much into the medical stuff because, here's the thing. I don't know. And I don't know why people are so reluctant to admit that they don't know something, (laughs) you know, with... This kind of stuff, where they are so strongly in the belief of he had the concussion and they shouldn't have let him play, or that they should have, whatever. I just, I'm looking at it this way. There's two angles to this to me. One is how does this injury change the ceiling of the team, and two is what does this mean for Tua's future? Because obviously everybody wants him healthy. I don't even know why we always have to say that in the preamble, like, oh, the Tua's health is the most important. Like, yeah, everyone cares that Tua's healthy and that he's good. But so much of this Dolphins season was about finding out whether or not Tua was the guy. And now, uh, I guess I just said don't assume something or don't say what you don't know. But it's hard to imagine that this guy's back on the football field anytime soon. And what does that do for the evaluation of the guy? Did we get enough that you roll it back over? Like, how do the Dolphins proceed from here?
1: I'm really with you, too. It's hard for me to play doctor and just start carrying the team and the league apart. It's, we saw what we saw against Buffalo and then we really saw, what we saw last night and it's, it doesn't, yeah you know, doesn't take a, a degree to connect the two, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I guess I, I can't make that leap yet. I am with you though. Like the NFL seems pretty untrustworthy and I'm definitely with Ryan leaf. I mean, you mentioned Mitchell Schwartz, Ryan Lee put out there too, like that, you know, the, the PA and the league far too often are kind of in bed with each other. Mm-hmm. You, you hear that stuff up, that stuff quite a bit when it comes to concussions, but yeah, let's, let's just hope and pray that everything Mike McDaniel said is the truth. Everything the league is saying is the truth. And we do see what comes up this investigation. If you fast forward to what this means for Tua, I mean, I I believe, I, I think that he is perfect for this offense. It's a quick hitting offense with speed everywhere. You could even see it at times early in the game last night where it's one, two, three, bang, the ball's out. And, you just wonder how he can stay healthy. It's, mm-hmm. he's not very strong. He's not very mobile. He's not athletic. Um, these collisions, whatever it is, head to toe, they're going to add up with, you know, pass rushers that are, you know, they got 8% body fat and they run four fours and they're sixty. like that pass rusher isn't going anywhere. It's going to be a problem every week. So you, he needs to be protected. He needs to get the ball out quick. Um, I think he could play. I mean, I, I'm I'm there with Tua. I, I just don't know if he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and this is not the first major injury, right? Like, we've been down this road with Tua going back to college, and that's what I think makes this pretty clear from a, a callous standpoint for the Dolphins moving forward is you are just – Teddy Bridgewater is a fine backup plan. Like, he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He made some plays last night. He made some throws last night. But if you're talking about what does your franchise do moving forward, I, I'm sorry, I just don't know if you can – put another season into two his hands when you've got the offense that you have, when you have the coach that you have. And it looks to me like, yeah, the dolphins are not ready to contend. You know, you saw that bills game. A lot of people overreacted to it. The bills. I don't, I can't remember what the offensive play uh, ratio was, but it was, it was pretty lopsided football game. It was not, it, it was flukish that Miami ended up winning it. They made some great plays. They deserve credit for it. But to me, they're, on the fringes of being a contender. And we really did need to see more from Tua throughout the season to believe that they were going to take that next step. And now that he's not going to be there and now that he's not healthy again, if he's not able to come back this season and prove that he can stay on the field, I I just don't know how you don't go into the off season with that as your number one priority.
1: It's going to be fascinating too, to see how the dolphins deal with this clear concussion now, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he's, they have to almost go above and beyond, you know, protecting Tua against himself, right? I, I would think he's out multiple weeks. You hope several. Just if you really do value him as your franchise quarterback, then you can't play him anytime soon. And, yeah, then you start asking the questions that you're asking, J.D. Like, you've got Tyreek Hill. You've got Jalen Waddle, You've got Raheem Mostert, Chase Edwards. You've got a brilliant play caller. All this stuff's kind of in place. Is, is this somebody that, you're just gonna hand over a ton of money to. They probably do need to see more. They probably do need to see him stay on the field, and that's no slight to Tua. It. Hey, this is his game, and this is his body, and the team might might have to make that that rash decision at some point. I, I do think though that even though the sample size is is really small, that they they do have enough there to work with. I I, I mean that. Make what you will of that Bills game. Um, I feel like that was the type of win that gives you confidence that the Dolphins, they, they can hang with anybody. I mean, their defense, I know they gave up 20 yards, but I don't care about yards. I mean, their defense made the plays when they had to make the plays. And then the game before, Tua just lit it up. I mean, he's got that in him where he can just heat up and go full NBA jam on a team. I, I think that there is a formula there. I think there is a lane. If the Dolphins, huge if, if they are healthy and Tua is out there, I think that this is a playoff team. I do. Mm -hmm.
0: I think they're a playoff team too. But when I look at everything else, I go, why can't they be a contender? Like last night, that Teddy throw on the the go route to Tyreek where it gets tipped and he grabs it and he bobbles it and he still catches it. I'm going, man, this guy is just unbelievable. But how many more years is it going to be this way where he is arguably the biggest freak in the NFL, right? Like, that he's in that class, he's in that conversation. Waddle is ready. You can tell. Like, he's just, he's on the precipice of also being another superstar right beside him. There's just so many pieces that are in place with that offense. NFL windows, it's not, it's not five years. It's not six years. It's the now. And if you think that those guys are now, and it seems like they do because they've made the moves that they've made, and what, they just lost a first-round pick? Again, another reason maybe not to be trusting that organization. I, I just I think that the risk is too great to roll it into next year and say we believe Tua can be the guy when we haven't seen him stay healthy and we haven't seen a full season of it. Um, Bills. It's, it's just a, a huge week for the AFC. Uh, bad 4 o'clock games, but uh, actually, before I go to the Bills, I want to ask you about this. AFC West. Who needs to have the biggest week? Oh man. I love
1: that question. I think it's Denver. I know they're Weirdly. two and one. Yeah. They, they look God awful offensively. It is. Re- it's, it's really that it's that, tra- you know, the mo- most car accidents, most train wrecks, whatever you want to say, like you can't take your eyes off of it. Like, this is all of that, but, yes, you can take your eyes off of it. I think I just turned the game off at some point. That was just brutal to watch that 11-10 win over San Francisco. I think it's a combination. Like I, you know, Nathaniel Hackett clearly is in over his head to an, a degree early on, and, hey, I was team Hackett, man. I, his energy that he brings, his love of the game, I feel like that was – it seemed, in theory, to be a perfect match with Russell Wilson, you know, somebody who's – pretty obsessed with the quarterback position himself, but yeah, you know, he was, he, he, there's no rhythm and flow to the offense. There's no rhythm and flow to game management. And Russell Wilson doesn't look like the Russell Wilson of even two years ago. I mean, he's, he seems to, I don't, I don't think he's fallen off a cliff, but he just looks like an average quarterback. So he had it all up and it's just a very blah offense. And yeah, they've got Vegas and Vegas is going to be desperate um, they're, I, I would imagine they're just going to force feed the ball to Devontae Adams. They, they should, regardless of the coverage, just get him the ball. Um, and But their defense isn't very good. If Denver can't do much against that Raiders defense, um, win or lose, then, yeah, I think that the, there, there should be even more panic than there is now.
0: Yeah, I, I like the Denver answer, but I'm looking at all four of those teams in that division and saying it depends on what the parameters are here. Because I think that a lot of people were very, very high on Denver. Um, their defense has looked phenomenal. That's been the piece of this that's lost a little in the offensive struggles is, man, Pat Sertain looks like the man. Like he is. Uh, I, I heard during one of the broadcasts, I think someone was saying, hey, he could be the next champ, Bailey. And I went, come on, please just relax. And for the first couple of weeks, I'm like, maybe he is. Like Maybe this guy actually is yeah. that. Um But Russ has looked completely lost to the point where he puts together one game-winning drive and people are celebrating going, that's the Russell Wilson. I went, yeah, you know, I'm a Seahawks fan. I watched a lot of Russell Wilson. That actually looked like the guy who came back from the injury last year more than anything. He was always capable of making one drive in a football game. If you give him an entire game, he's going to come up with one drive. But boy, oh boy, it's just, that's scary hours if you lose that Raiders team, like you said. I'm less worried about... The Raiders, just because I was never as high on the Raiders, I did I never viewed them as the Super Bowl contender that some people did. Um, I think that they're a competent team. I think that they're still gonna hang around because of that offense. The Devontae Adams thing worries me a little that he's had two straight games where they can't get him the football after, you know, investing really heavily in him. But to me, the the team I'm circling is the Chargers. Like the, the amount of injuries that have piled up there, the Justin Herbert rib thing, this one this week just feels like you get upset to Houston and uh, I don't know how you don't fire the coach.
1: Yeah. Right. And we were all team Staley for months <laughs> going for it. Aggressive. Love the mindset, you know, to, to hell with everything we've thought about football. And then you just get absolutely embarrassed by the Jaguars on your own turf and your mishandling like, like this Justin Herbert thing, you know, I, I it's just, it's just, it's really hard to see, promising young quarterbacks get handled this way if he, he might be the best quarterback in football and to even have him playing in that game yeah maybe we don't even talk about that outcome who cares 38 10 he lost the Jags, whatever. he's so good he's so valuable he's somebody that you clearly are going to spend a blank check on when the time's right why even risk anything for a week or two just just sit him let him heal oh by the way your team doctor is getting sued by tarot taylor because he just he got stabbed in the lung like mm-hmm. i I don't i don't get it like um you know i was even talking to a guy who was a head coach for a while in the nfl and we were just texting "I, i don't understand what in the hell the chargers are doing by even playing this kid he's the best quarterback in the league so i yeah that kind of speaks to a more organizational failure to not see the big picture like why why even risk anything uh at this point and Maybe uh, if, to your point, if, if there is a little pressure on Staley and the organization to win now because you did acquire Khalil Mack, and mm-hmm. you did acquire J.C. Jackson, and all of that, maybe that plays into it. Like, oh, I, we we can't lose ground in this AFC. We got got to keep pace. I just feel like that's unbelievably short-sighted when you have th- this talented of a quarterback.
0: Yeah, the AFC doesn't seem as dangerous as we thought, and it's early in the season, so I'm sure some of these teams are going to normalize a little bit, but. Yeah, the whole run away with it thing. Like, I don't feel as though the Raiders are even completely out of a playoff picture if they lose this week to Denver. And it's why I didn't even pick them as the the number one team I would circle in the AFC. The Chargers, though, yeah. just there are already reports out of there that the mood around the team is really bad. Um, and you can understand why with all the injuries and with all the expectation and now what's going on with Herbert and their coach. And uh, it just they, they do feel like they're a devastating loss this weekend away from just calamity. And... You know, to keep it in that division, because they're still the most interesting one because of all the hype that came around it. It depends, again, on the parameters of the question in terms of who you're most interested in, but that Chiefs offense hasn't looked right. And now they're going to face a Bucs defense that's number one in DVOA. And I know I'm not supposed Mm -hmm. to use DVOA until like week six, but still like the Buccaneers defense is legit. What do you want to see? And when do you think it's going to look okay, if ever? I have a hard time
1: even saying a bad word about Patrick Mahomes. But I think it's just about in my him. DNA. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't. It's, I feel like he's just going to figure it out. And I, I know that's like really lazy, but he's so good. I, I think that over time, you know, this time last year, we were we were kind of freaking out about Patrick Mahomes, So even longer. I mean, it was a good month and a half with these two deep shells. Like, ah, oh, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes going to bust this coverage? Is he going to... Stay patient and, and make plays. They're taking away the big play. He can't. He can't hit Tyreek deep. I, I feel like he's so he's so talented, but his mind is, is, is next level. Like he'll be able to scheme up something with Andy Reid. They've got enough there between Kelsey, mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquise Valdez, Scanlon, McCall Hardman, that they'll they'll just kind of figure it out. Because once he heats up, once he gets a new rhythm, there's nobody better in, in football. It was bad in, in Indy. I, I'm mm-hmm. there with you. It was. I watched that game, and got it it wasn't that much better than Denver. I mean, they really couldn't uh, find any type of flow. And, and hey, Eric B. Enemy. I, I get it. We all freak out when he's not named a head coach. I thought LaShawn McCoy's comments, and he said it before, spoke pretty loudly. And I think he is speaking for other players when he says this is a coach who doesn't seem to take player input into account like he should. Uh, maybe that's the reason the guy hasn't been promoted. I don't know. But clearly, we saw him and Patrick Mahomes about to go at it before halftime. That's ugly. I I just think that we we've seen a body work out of Patrick Mahomes that suggests whatever's going on, whatever the problems are. We've never seen a quarterback improvise like him. We've never seen a quarterback with arm angles like his. We've never seen a guy with this athleticism and this just uh, will to to find a receiver. I mean, there was a throw. He did make that throw against the Colts where his body's moving one way and his torso just twists around and he releases the ball the exact opposite way. That, that kind of stuff is here to stay.
0: Yeah. I, I have no questions about his talent and I'm really excited for this game this weekend. It's number two behind Bill's Ravens for me. Um, and Eagles yeah. Jags is real sneakily close. Those three games just, you know, that you can put them all in a box and let me pick one of them and I'll be fine. But I, I do think that we underestimated Tyreek a little, and I think that we went a little too quick to the take of, hey, him having a bunch of weapons instead of Tyreek is going to make uh, them even more dangerous because he'll spread the ball around. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. It seems yeah. like I'd rather have Tyreek Hill than Juju smith Schuster. <laughs> like, that's just me. <laughs> Whatever, you can yeah. have your take, yeah. I'll have mine. Um, Bill's Ravens, I said it. It's This feels so dumb. This feels so dumb. But a couple of years ago, I went to uh, Seahawks Ravens, and, and I felt as though... Uh, this was going to be a huge game for the MVP, and I feel this way for this one. Like, if Lamar can find a way to win this football game, that it is going to be something at the end of the year we look back on because it's going to be, I think, a a race between he and Josh Allen. Like, I think that they are going to be the two guys in this race. Um, Maybe hurts if this thing continues out in Philly, but it's going to matter. But my question for you is... Do you think that we're overlooking a little bit the injury to hide? Because I, I asked a friend of mine the other day who's a huge Bills fan about it, and he called him the defining player of the defense, that those two secondaries define that, or sorry, those two safeties define that defense. And I sat there and thought, with, like, I sat with that for a little while and thought about it, and, and I agree. And I don't know what losing him for a season is going to do to a Buffalo Bills team. I know Josh Allen is excellent. I know that they're still going to be able to win in shootouts, but – did we kind of gloss over that loss a little bit? We haven't seen the Bills
1: defense without Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde um, since Sean McDermott's been, been the head coach in 2017. I mean, this past Sunday was the first time. And I mean, they, they won and they, they only gave up the one big play, but the Dolphins didn't really test them either. It seemed like that was the only time they even really tried to take a run at at those young safeties back there. So yeah, I, I think that, we, one of the things we haven't talked about nearly enough here in Western New York is how much Hyde means to the Bills, how much Poyer means to the Bills, because mm-hmm. they just haven't missed a game. I mean, Sean McDermott can really lean on these guys. They've gone through a lot of injuries at cornerback, and it hasn't really mattered because you've got such smart safeties back there. Uh, it is. This is a different type of game, though, too. I mean, Lamar Jackson isn't necessarily going to slice and dice you and, and take advantage through the air. I think where you really – I think the safety you're going to miss in this game is – is, uh, and I, I got to look at the, the injury report with Poyer, but they, they, need Poyer, they need Poyer out there against the Lamar Jackson because – a healthy Poyer, I should say, against Lamar Jackson because he's, he's a running back. I mean, he's going to run for 100 yards. And the Bills, when they've had success against these type of quarterbacks, and they did give Lamar a really good game and a loss, his MVP season, uh, they're able to just kind of swarm him, run to the ball, stay a step ahead. Um, I think that's where the challenge really is this game. And the fact that they are so banged up on both sides of the ball, it's, I am surprised that the last I looked, I think the bills are favored, favored in this they game, are. right?
0: Yeah, they are. The bills are favored. That surprises me. Well, Baltimore's yeah, beat up Ravens too. this game. Baltimore's beat it. You think the Ravens win this game?
1: I, I do. I mean, I just think that at, at home coming off of a, you know, a pretty uplifting win in Foxborough where it was back and forth. They pulled away. Lamar looks like Lamar. The Bills are kind of coming off of just collapsing one by one on the field in the heat, and their offensive coordinator is just tearing the coaching booth apart. It was demoralizing in so many ways. I I don't know. I, I feel like there might be a little carryover for both teams into this game.
0: See, I'm most curious about this game because I want to see – if the Bills can continue to go just full revenge mode. Because that that Ravens secondary, that Ravens defense has been atrocious, right? Like, they have yeah. not been able to stop anybody. And Josh Allen throwing that ball in the dirt, Dorsey having the, fl- the freak out. I, yeah, I think that the biggest question mark is how do those guys bounce back from looking so incredibly exhausted in Miami. But this one actually is important to me if I'm a Bills believer, which I am. To see, you know, how you respond to a lost a game that you shouldn't have lost, and just kill yeah. that momentum right away, and get back on track, and have everybody talking about you like fifteen and one again. Um, either way, I just I can't wait to watch these two quarterbacks play. Uh, th- these are the best kind of football games where you just go, oh, this is just gonna be fun when either team has the ball the entire time, and you're hoping that it does come down to whoever ends up getting it last, that it's actually gonna matter. Uh, Ty done um, again. Go to his Twitter account. The book is. It's been there. I cannot wait to read it. Um, how tight ends safe football, uh, the blood and guts, how tight ends safe football. It's out October 18th. You can order it right now. 30% off Ty, Always a pleasure, buddy.
1: It's always a pleasure, man. Hey, thanks so much for the time and the love. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. We'll talk to you soon, uh, especially uh, when the book comes out. Hopefully we can deep dive a little bit more into that, but uh, for now it's time for action brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Pete Walker, sneaky Pete, sneaking off yesterday. You know, you set a bad example. Now Joe Bosch thinks he can sneak off. Joe's not here today. Yep. You know you're the older one of the two. You got you to gotta be the leader. Set the standard. Exactly. Yeah. You set, now he's out here. Terrible. So set the standard with your best bet.
1: Well, it's not my best bet, JD. It's a bet. It's mm. definitely a bet. Uh, plus money, Pete. Bears at Giants, safety to be scored, plus 900 on DraftKings. Okay, I don't know. Uh, It was plus 1,100 earlier this week. Bears and Giants are top five in sacks allowed per game. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't trust Daniel Jones or Justin Fields.
0: I like both offenses to have a hold.
1: Yeah, and uh, they were two of the eight teams last year that allowed safeties. And apparently, this is a stat, um, there's a safety... Per Week and throughout NFL history. There's a safety per week. Mm. So I'm envisioning the safety happening in this game And I'm envisioning it happening. against Justin Fields, but it could also happen against Daniel
0: Jones who knows Plus money Pete so <laughs> another huge bet for you um, I'm going to that Ravens game. I actually like a lot of props in this one It's a bit weird because the the wind apparently is going to be insane, but this is again. Uh, this is a Josh Allen game Hey Josh Allen, they got you because your arm is supposed to be weatherproof Let's see it. Um, Last week, I went with Stephon Diggs. I like him again. I like the over 83 and a half. He's just getting so much volume that it's hard to fade the guy. But I'm going to also take Rashad Bateman. Um, He's gone over this number every single week. His number's at 47 and a half. I really don't understand it outside of, again, the wind, the weather factors. Lamar is a bit of a more of a flutter ball thrower who likes to have his targets stopped. But Bateman's going to get targets. And we mentioned it. This Bill's secondary is as beat up as any unit in the NFL right now. I just... I think that if you want to play Andrews, I think if you want to play Bateman, I think that if you want to play Stephon Diggs, um, every receiver in this football game is exactly what I'm keying out on. Um, So yeah, Bills Ravens, circle that on the schedule. Um, That was Time for Action, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get on the action. Must be 19 plus, Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Going to talk to Jared Karabas, um, who, uh, who actually works for DraftKings. Um, Baseball is dead in Jared Kravitz podcast. I I can't figure out why Manoa hasn't gotten more Cy Young talk and if I'm just being a homer about it. Also, is there anyone better in baseball to root against than Garrett Cole? Kind of set him up for success here. He's a bit of a Red Sox fan. Before we take the break, in recognition of National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, radio stations across the country are coming together across Canada to amplify, elevate, listen to, and learn from Indigenous voices with A Day to Listen 2022. It's a partnership with Gord Downey and Choney Wenjack Fund. Listeners can tune in to radio stations across the country, including our music stations 98.1 CHFI and KISS 92.5. From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. today, Listeners will hear stories from indigenous leaders, residential school survivors, musicians, and teachers. For more information, visit datalisten.ca. SportsNet 590, the fam. Yesterday was weird. It's, it's not like the Blue Jays of Listen, everybody chill out, but not the most celebrated franchise in baseball, okay? So making the playoffs, three wildcard teams or not, you want to see the guys celebrate? It's a long-ass season. 162 games it takes, ups and downs, and to clinch on an off day because somebody else lost, that's kind of stunk. Not a fan of it. Just, oh, yeah. I found out from Instagram that the Jays clinched a playoff spot. It was boring. Let me see a baseball game. Let me see the team clinch. Let me see them pop bottles. And let me hear all the hockey guys complain about how you shouldn't celebrate before the job's done. My favorite take. Uh, Jared Carabas, DraftKings, Baseball is Dead, and Jared Carabas podcast. Uh, one of the best. What's up, buddy? How are we doing? JD. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, Jays are going to the playoffs. That makes me feel good. It's not the pandemic playoffs where, you know, you just go to the trop and Ryu gets hurt and then it's over and there's no fans. So that's nice. Um, being back for the first time, I'm counting this since 2016. Uh, I do want to get into, you know, your thoughts on this team and a, a few, uh, little award race thing, stuff, but I need to basically just set you up for success. Um, I can't stand Garrett Cole. One of my favorite things is your Twitter account, watching uh, Garrett Cole uh, when he sucks and just immediately going to it and making sure, like, okay, what does Jared have to say about this? Have you ever enjoyed watching someone melt down more than Garrett Cole? Because I, I genuinely that. cannot think about an athlete where it is more fun, where it's just like he wears it completely. It's all over his face. He, start, he, he, fa- he starts falling apart when things do not go his way. He looks so incredibly pissed. And you look into the dugout and it's like, none of his teammates look like they care about him. I just, I love it. It's, I, I I can't even think of a player who comes close.
1: He, The the cringe factor is very high. Uh, The the thing about Garrett Cole starts is that you're, you're basically guaranteed a home run every single time. So you're going to get some sort of, uh, some sort of like fussy bratty breakdown on the mound every single time because he, uh, I think he expects to strike out every single batter, which, like, at least that part I can respect about him because I think he uh, he tied the Yankee single-season strikeout record his last time mm-hmm. out. But, I mean, this is a guy that uh, – he's a dork. He's a dork that was, was given a gift to be able to to pitch at, at, at the major league level and be really nasty at it, but then when he doesn't get his way, he just has these these little bratty little breakdowns, and it's, uh, it's very fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I – I love it. Um, I'll never forget him after the Astros got bounced wearing the the Boris hat, which I've tried to get. I even had Scott Boris on the show and asked him for a hat. And he was like, you got to be a client or have a family member to get, a, get one. There's no way. You can't buy them. Um, it's just purely for his clients. And ever since then, I've just enjoyed hating him so much. I'm so glad that Robbie Ray grabbed a Cy Young from him. And... Uh, this is where I want to go with you today. Do you think that Robbie Ray winning that Cy Young has impacted Alec Manoa's chances because all right, I'm not even trying to say that he should be winning the award. And this is kind of almost loser talk to be like, Hey, I wish that you got more respect as a bit of a runner up, but he's got now close to 30 more innings pitched than Verlander. He's, if you look at baseball reference war, I think that he's number two in the American league. You look at things like Cy Young predictors just across baseball. His numbers are incredible. Like, the strikeout numbers aren't where you want them to be, but why do you think that, like, to to me up north, and I, granted, I'm not watching every single baseball show every single day, but it does feel like his season's been a little overlooked. And if you look at DraftKings and you look at other gambling sites in terms of the line of what he is in the Cy Young Award, like, you'll see him fifth, you'll see him sixth in the American League.
1: I think the most impressive thing about Alec Manoa's season is the – statistical breakdown of what he's been able to do against teams in his own division. Like when you talk about the best divisions in baseball, people will talk about the NL East. Uh, I think the American league East was one of those divisions in the middle of the year, where everyone was like, this is undoubtedly the best division because you have every single team, except for the Red Sox that have a winning record. And then you look at what Alec Manoa has done against that division in that span of time. And, If if you were to look at the ERAs and the strikeouts for nine, like you're talking about Cy Young numbers, and he's doing it against all of those teams. So, yeah, I I think that he's gone greatly underappreciated. I think that that the Cy Young conversation, I mean, especially after what Shohei did last night, uh, Mm -hmm. there's no slam dunk candidate this year. It's more of an open field. But at the end of the year, I think when you you have that discussion, you have to include Alec Manoa's name.
0: Yeah, and that's all I've really wanted. I've just kind of felt as though it's been Cease, Verlander, and then Valdez sort of on the outside. And recently, the Shohei uh, appreciation has had a bit of an uptick. But the, the Shohei take to me is usually very easy because, yeah, he's the best player in baseball. He's incredible. He's a unicorn. He's all these different things. And we just don't pay enough attention to him because he's on this trashy Angels team. And just that's the way baseball is now, which is that it's more you're focused on your market than you are nationally. I just, yeah, Manoa has been incredible. He's been the story of the Blue Jays season. All he's done is win. He doesn't have a track record of innings pitched. And it's just whatever. He's going to hit 200 innings, he's a horse. You mentioned it when he plays in the division, he wins. he had, He just he had that start the other day, like last weekend, against the Rays, where he throws the most pitches in the entire or of his entire season, absolutely dominates, gets them a win they desperately needed to stay atop the wildcard race. And yeah, just it never felt like, oh, right. This is a reckoning moment for who this guy is. He just felt like he's on the outside. And the only thing that I can make of it is that people go like the MVP in the NBA, where they say, "Well, you won it last year, so it's really hard for you to get it." But they're just kind of transferring the Robbie Ray takeover to Manoa. And, you know, speaking of the wild card, do you think the stakes are enough for the team that ends up with the the home field advantage? Because this has been something I've been kicking around the last couple of days. I don't really care. As long as you have your pitchers lined up, I, like I want to go to the games, obviously. I want to be down at the Rogers center, but outside of that, uh, I, I just don't feel like it's a big enough advantage because I'm not paying enough attention to it. Like, it's kind of casual viewing right now where I go, where are the Jays in the standings? All right, where are the Rays? Where are the Mariners? All right, flip a coin, end up wherever you end up. Just make sure you've got Minoan Gosman going for the first two games. And I would imagine that Rays fans kind of feel similarly, all 15 of them. And and I imagine Mariners fans just want to get in.
1: Yeah, I th- I think I think you're right about Mariners fans. I think they just want to get in. But in terms of... You know the stakes being high enough. That that whole thing about not getting a home playoff game, period, uh, in that wild card round. If you're if you're the six seed or if you're the five seed, like that. That I don't love that. I, I mean, it, I I love that they're actually incentivizing winning for once because mm. you know we're we're like twenty years removed from. Uh, if you won the wild card, you were essentially treated like a division winner. Like there was, there was no real reward for winning a division and there was no real punishment for winning the wild card, but now they at least have a system where um, there's out of the three wild card teams, two of them, at least you're, you're either playing a division winner or you're playing a team uh, in their home ballpark for all three games in that wild card round. So uh, it's not perfect, but I think I think for the first time, you've at least incentivized winning which was which was what uh teams were kind of complaining about the most during the whole like new c b a thing uh i I still think we have a long way to go in terms of incentivizing like the the teams towards the bottom of the barrel to to spend and attempt to win mm-hmm. but as far as the playoff teams go uh there's there's a clear advantage. For no one wants to play houston no one wants to play the dodgers so they're that number one team um but you know if you if you don't win enough games you're not going to get a home game in the in the first round of the, like imagine being a mariner fan being told like hey uh it's it's been since 2001 you haven't been to the postseason you're gonna get there but there's a chance you may not even get to see them play uh in seattle so like that's that's what it boils down to for
0: me. Yeah. And and that's the side I get. And that's what I was saying to Blue Jays fans. If you're someone who actually goes down to the ballpark, like I do, you should care about home field. But if you don't, if you were planning on watching it from a bar or watching it on TV, then who cares? Like, just make sure that you're set up properly to win because John Schneider came out a couple of weeks ago and it's been kind of retracted by the club. But he basically said, if home fields on the line, they would pitch it like it was another wild card game. Like they would start Manoa, and they would really be pushing for home field. and And people lost their minds, and I was one of them because I went, no, 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 I, I want to win in the playoffs. Like I want to get done with that wild card. And if you have Manoa and you have Gosman going, then that's better to me than trying to have home field advantage and then Gosman Stripling or Gosman Barrios if they end up going down that road. But yeah, I I kind of want to see it where they incentivize the winning even more. And they have it where the Stanley Cup playoffs had it during their expansion season during the pandemic, where if you're the home field team, you actually are essentially up a game. Like the road team needs to win twice and you win once. You think that's too far?
1: Uh, In baseball, that's kind of tough. Because in in baseball, I feel like, um, you know, you can any team can beat any team on any given day in this sport. Like that's, what's so great about baseball is mm-hmm. you could have the Pittsburgh pirates sweep the Dodgers this year and no one's going to be like, Oh my God, what happened to the Dodgers? That's crazy. Like, that's just baseball. So I think, you know, I, and one of the big reasons why like, I wouldn't, I would not shift Alec Manoa up a spot to pitch in order to, to get that, that home field advantage. But, I can see where the Blue Jays are coming from knowing, uh, you know, what it sounds like in the playoffs there, but there there are certain teams where home field advantage is like, yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to play at home. It's nice to have your, uh, your bottom of the ninth advantage. Um, but in Toronto that really is like a tense player on the field. Like having, having how loud it is, how how jarring it must be for an opposing player to be out there trying to focus especially now uh the whole pitch com thing i don't know how that's going to work in the playoffs mm-hmm. because there are certain ballparks where it is just loud and unpleasant to play in so i can i can see why uh the blue jays would be so gung ho about playing home games there immediately
0: Yeah, and maybe I should be more optimistic about it too. I just, I hated the idea of thinking you wouldn't be having Manoa on the mound in game one. Like you could lose that game with Manoa and then end up on the road without him. And to me, that's just, that's a catastrophe that you you just can't have. You can't put that scenario on the table. But I, I should be more, I guess, optimistic about it or excited for it, especially considering like, you know, we saw it in 2015, how the crowd can impact the team. When the Rangers could not make a play defensively and they lost, And in a large part, because the crowd was so intimidating, so imposing, so loud that you saw veteran players on the Rangers just, yeah, bobble routine plays and make routine mistakes and let the Blue Jays back into the ballgame. So heading into the postseason, um, do you care who they play? Like, do you think that there's a a big drop off between the Rays and the Mariners?
1: Um, I, I personally would not want to play the Mariners in a short series. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I I like their starters better. Um, I like their lineup better. I mean, the Rays just find a way to win, but as we saw in the postseason last year, they were a 100 win team that got dismissed by uh, a happy to be there Red Sox team. Um, you know, they got to the world series in in that, that the, the COVID season in 2020. But, uh, as far as postseason success goes, they just, they don't. They're not built to to win like that. Like I, it's it's. I was trying to explain it to one of my friends the other day, that is not a baseball fan at all. Uh, that just because you're a successful team in the regular season does not mean that you're built for the postseason. Because the like the, to try to explain to like a diehard hockey fan that the game of baseball is played differently. <laughs> in the postseason than it is in the regular season is a hard thing to, to grasp when you're used to just a, you know, uh, a, a uniform style of play no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just how baseball is. Like you, it's, it's just, uh, you're going to go, like the Houston Astros, I don't know how anyone is going to be able to take them down in the postseason because their bullpen is, is unbelievable. They have starters. Their offense is one of the best. And they they check that box that not a lot of other teams can that they've they've been there and they've done that which I don't think can be um, overlooked in terms of how important that is. So yeah, like when when you talk about a team like Seattle, they have not been there and they have not done that. But they do have some some really good arms in their bullpen. They do have starting pitching, and uh, their lineup isn't going to overwhelm you, but they can they can swing it. So yeah, that's that's a team that I wouldn't want to play.
0: Yeah, I think if you asked every single Blue Jay fan, they would say don't face the Rays. Certainly not at the Trop, because it's been a house of horrors for Toronto fans, or, like, yeah, I don't know, the last decade plus. Um, mm-hmm. Mariners' bullpen, scary, um, but I I am a believer in the, the happy-to-be-there thing with them, where their fan base has waited so long, they just get in. The team has felt that way. Bullpen, shaky a little bit last night against the... Texas I ended up letting them back into the ball game. But yeah, I just, there's something about the rays where they just find ways to manufacture runs. You're still going to end up against McClanahan. Um, maybe glass. Now I just, oof. to me, I, I'd still rather face the Mariners uh, as, as intimidating as both teams are going to end up being. You think the blue Jays are one of those teams though? Like you mentioned it, there's some teams that are built for the regular season. There's some teams that are built for the playoffs. Where do you think the blue Jays fit into that for you?
1: I think it all depends on what you're going to get. Like, tell me, tell me what Gosman I'm getting, and tell me what Barrios I'm getting. Mm. I think if you can answer those questions for me, if those guys are at least slightly above average, I'll even take average from those two guys, and the Blue Jays instantly become a team that you just don't want to run into. Um, but Gosman's had his his second half struggles. Uh, I'm sure he'll get back on track against the Red Sox this weekend. He's he uh, he's made five starts. Against the Red Sox this season, and uh, the Blue Jays are five and zero in those games. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you know, a guy like Barrios, that's that's another X-factor guy because cause when they're when those three, including Manoa, are at their best, that might be the scariest three-man rotation in the American League. Um, but you know, the inconsistency is what kind of makes you balk at. Um, you know, riding the the Blue Jays to essentially the the World Series, like you, the way that the bracket works right now. If the playoffs started today, um, the Jays would advance to get Houston in the division series. Yeah. Um, so that would that would have been an electric ALCS, but instead we'll get it in a in a short best of five if the, if it ends up working out that way. But at the beginning of the year, the Jays were a team that a lot of people picked to win the division, um, and I think the biggest reason why was that rotation. Like they, they beefed up there and they already had a very lengthy lineup. You put those two things together and uh, that is a recipe for success in October.
0: I, I trust Gossman. There are nights where, and, and this is kind of usually a take reserve for uh, dumb guys, but there's just some nights where, you know, he doesn't have it where you just look at him and it's not the same and you go, okay, this is not one of the ace Gossman nights, but for most of the season, he's been phenomenal and I, I just, I think he's very, very trustworthy come playoff time. I'd be, I'd be shocked if he fell apart right now. Barrios is not even in pen for that third starter spot. Like Ross stripling has had such a good season and Barrios has been so up and down that again, if, if you just do the poll of most people who watch the blue Jays, who would you rather have start that must win game three? They would lean stripling. It, it doesn't seem like you're there. You would still roll Barrios, even with the highs and the lows.
1: I don't think that there's enough time for him to prove himself worthy of that because Stripling's got like a low three ERA, right? Mm-hmm.
0: He's been incredible. Yeah, man. Stripling. It,
1: that's why. That's why I think you know when when people think about the Toronto Blue Jays, at least from last year's perspective, they're like yeah, that's a team that can swing it. Um, but if they can pitch. That's the that's going to be a team uh, you're looking at. I mean, we haven't mentioned the Yankees at all, really, in, in terms of the playoff picture. But in terms of well-rounded teams, you look at the Yankees, and and we've heard pitchers say this: it just don't let Judge beat you, and you should be fine <laughs> if you just don't let Judge beat you. With with the Blue Jays lineup, it's completely different. Like it is a completely different lineup where there's plenty of guys who can beat you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think if uh, if you're rolling out a, a three-man deep rotation, if Stripling's the guy, then Stripling's the guy. Uh, but he's had a great season, like you said. I think he has like a three-six. I remember because we were we were doing it last night on the podcast, and I I said three-sixteen. I remember Stone Cold. Yeah. Um, so I think that was Stripling.
0: Yeah, Stripling. To I think he's got that job locked up right now, and he'll probably end up getting game three. And then, yeah, you start a next series, hopefully, and then it's Burrios game one, and we're having all these conversations about, you know, the big contract and the year that he's had, all those different things. And I I didn't mention the Yankees, and I haven't looked at the Yankees. And I had a stat for you today, and I figured that you maybe had already seen it. But here in Canada, um, the Blue Jays, Yankees uh, TV ratings, um, average minute audience here in Canada on Sportsnet, our network, 1.29 million Canadians. Um, Yes Network, average 708 um this is when judge was looking for 61 so just remember that when it's all like all the yankees fans cried about the apple tv thing like how are we gonna watch how are we gonna figure out the internet we're never gonna be able to do it they didn't even watch anyway on yes the games were there on yes they didn't watch anyway that's kind of crazy yeah man
1: but more more blue jay fans were tuned in. To, to watch their team push for the playoffs uh, then Yankee fans were watching Aaron Judge push for 61. That, that's eye-opening.
0: I will DM you the tweet. It's facts. Please do. It's done.
1: I I, I will tweet that out just to see what they have to say about it. That is a very interesting, objective
0: fact. I have a lot of, I just a lot of crying about the TV to not watch a lot of TV, like 708,000. Like that's nothing. That's a drop. That's, that's nothing. That's nobody. That's no people watching Aaron judge. So yeah, Yankees legend, Aaron judge. Maybe he should actually go somewhere where they care about baseball. That's just uh, my opinion. Um, Jared Carabas, as always, buddy, thanks for the time. Appreciate it, pal.
1: Thank you so much. Let's do this again as the Jays advance.
0: I hope so, man. See you later. Uh, Jared Kravis. DraftKings, Baseball is Dead, and the Jared Kravis podcast. Um, I'm not worried about the starting rotation. I just, I'm not. If we're talking about baseball team, or why they're not going to be a playoff team, to me, it's still going to come down to who's the punch-out guy before Romano when they need a strikeout, a big strikeout, who's coming out of the pen? Everybody feels better about the bullpen. There's just no doubt about it, but how they're going to deploy those guys is still going to be a major talking point. And some of the situations, it's going to be massive. And two is, how are they going to make adjustments at the plate? I never thought I'd be saying this, but it's the offense. is is coming up with timely runs and being able to manufacture runs. And this is something I'll probably get into a little bit more next week, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s last month, he's he's got an OPS of 628. that's not ultra encouraging. If you're a Blue Jays fan heading into that last month, like he had that walk off the other day and did the, this is our house. And I went, okay, Vladdy, now let's get it right. And since then it hasn't quite been that. So adjustments at the dish bullpen still, that's what is going to determine whether or not these guys are a playoff team more than the starters. Cause I think they're good there. And I am, I'm totally fine with Ross tripling um, next week. Greg Jennings. He's our, NFL insider. He's going to be joining us every Monday. Extremely excited for that. Um, Thanks to everybody that listened again this week. You can always subscribe to the podcast. You can leave a review. You can leave five stars. It really helps out the show. Have a great weekend.